your name. Amen. So as I said at the beginning, we've been working our way through the book of Galatians. And this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the churches that he planted in that region. The main purpose of this letter is to remind the believers there of the good news that had been preached to them. Salvation through nothing but faith in Jesus Christ. No works, no ceremonies, no level of effort or good behavior or chance or saying the right things or looking the right way. Salvation is by faith alone in Christ. Not by a combination of faith and works or faith and effort, but by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And as I was um, working my way through this passage, I came across a, a book I had written by a guy called a man called J.C. Ryle. Now, he's not an Instagram running coach. He's, um, uh, he was a, a bishop in, in England. And this was written in oh, uh, 1879, something like that. So, yeah, Instagram this. Um, but he, I'm going to read from something that, that he wrote in, his, in uh, this book, Holiness. Christ is all in a sinner's justification before God. Through him alone, we can have peace with a holy God. By him alone, we can have admission into the presence of the Most High and stand there without fear. And then later on, he says, Christ is not only all in the justification of a true Christian, but he is also in his sanctification. No man can grow in holiness unless he is in Christ. Christ is the great root from which every believer must draw his strength to go forward. And that's the message that Paul had preached to the Galatians. And that's where freedom in Christ is found, as our um, sermon series has been titled, our series that we've been working through, Freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ is full acceptance with God by faith in Jesus Christ. That idea of justification, that getting right and staying right with God. It's by faith in Jesus alone. It frees us from sin. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for the sins of the world, for yours and for mine, paying a price that I could never pay for my own sin. It's freedom from the curse of the law, having to live a life perfect in the eyes of the law. And when it comes to the Galatians, that's something that we're going to come back to and look at in a moment. Because freedom in Christ is also freedom from trying to earn a righteousness. You cannot add the law to the justification and forgiveness of sins that comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. Because if you try to earn it, or if you try to add part of the law, that would mean having to add all of it. And none of us could do that. None of us could fulfill that law perfectly. It's freedom from sin and having to earn righteousness. And as Galatians chapter 4 verse 7, just before the passage that we read today says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. 
that it's through faith in Jesus Christ we are no longer slaves, but sons or children of Abraham in some translations and are now heirs in God's kingdom. That is what Paul preached to the Galatians when he first visited them. And that is what we need to remember today. That is freedom in Christ. But as we look at this passage this morning, we have to think, what were the Christians in Galatia actually doing? Instead of living in freedom, they had started to restrict themselves, restricted themselves to the point of becoming slaves. In fact, not just becoming like slaves, but returning to a slavery that they had already been freed from previously. You've been set free. Don't return to slavery. Paul says in verse 8, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to a so you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. The people in this region had not been Jews, but rather Gentiles, or what we might even call pagans, worshipping a variety of different gods. When Paul had been with them in person, he preached the gospel, that there was a freedom in Jesus Christ, and they had believed. However, since Paul had left them, the church had been infiltrated by people that were trying to win approval from the Jewish authorities by converting the Gentiles to a form of Judaism. And from verse 10, where it says, you are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. And later on in Galatians chapter 5, we can see that the new Christians are being pressurized into following the ceremonies and traditions of Mosaic law. Galatians 10 shows that the Galatian church had already started to adhere to some of the Jewish festivals. And as I said, we see later on in Galatians that some are even trying to infiltrate and influence the church to accept circumcision. In other words, they're taking the message that justification, being made holy and perfect in front of God, being made free from sin and its power and hold on their lives comes from faith in Jesus alone. And they're replacing it with a system where salvation is earned by keeping the law. Because it can't just be faith in Jesus. It's got to be faith in Jesus plus circumcision. Or faith in Jesus plus keeping this ceremony, or this sacrifice, or this work, or this effort. But as soon as it's faith in Jesus plus anything, it's wrong. It's false. It's leading you away from freedom in Christ. And when it comes to our salvation, there's nothing Paul can add, nothing the Galatians can add, nothing we can add. It is all of Jesus his sacrifice, and our faith in him. I don't know if any of you have been away on holiday recently. It's the holidays. I'm a teacher. I always need to remember that you don't have the same holidays that I have. I'm halfway through mine. Three weeks in. Oh, it's been hard. It's been hard, I tell you. 
Maybe when you were away on holiday, you had to get a flight. And what do they do? At the beginning of the flight, they stand up and they give their safety announcement in the event of a catastrophic engine failure. I don't know. Exits are here, here, and here. But they finish their safety announcement. And that's it. They don't finish their safety announcement and then go, does anybody have anything to add? Does anybody have anything that they could suggest or recommend at that point? They don't do it. And we need to think about that when we think about putting our faith in Jesus Christ. He's not then going to go, and do you have anything to add? We're called to respond, absolutely, we are called to respond out of that wonderful, incredible love that is being poured out, that grace and that mercy that's being shown. But not so that we can add anything to it, not so that we can earn anything from it. And we see throughout Paul's letters to the church that this isn't just a problem for the Galatians. This is a problem that affects church upon church that he has um, preached to throughout his ministry. There's a pattern throughout Paul's ministry. He would travel. He would preach the gospel. People would come to faith that freedom is in Jesus Christ. Churches would be established and grow, but then as he moved on, they would be influenced by groups of people. Some commentators call them Judaizers. People that would go into the church and would say, that's good, but don't forget this law. Don't forget this ceremony. Don't forget this thing that you have to do to keep that up. But it's not the way. But in a way, it's, it's understandable. Freedom in Christ requires a change in mindset. And how well do we react to change? This week, stormed into the living room. And I said to my wife, do you use the BBC News app? No, I was like, they have changed it. I could not believe it. So if anybody uses it and you haven't noticed this yet, your bookmarks will not be in the same place, I tell you. How well do we react to change? How well do we react to changing that mindset? Freedom in Christ requires a different perspective moving away from a worldly perspective, that we can work hard to earn it, that we can give it our best effort, that we can win favor by giving it our best effort, by keeping to a law. We struggle to accept that there's nothing that we can do. We struggle to accept that it is all of Jesus Christ. If somebody told me that I could run a marathon tomorrow and win it through no effort of my own, I would absolutely take that. Absolutely take that. But the Bible tells me 
that I can have freedom in Christ through nothing of my own, and I struggle. I struggle. I think, no, there must be something. But it requires faith in a love so big that God sent His Son to die on a cross in our place for our sins. It's a love so incredible, so beyond our understanding that the Galatians are trying to add a human achievement element. And what about us? What about you and me? What if verse 10 was being applied to us? How would we complete that sentence, you are trying to earn favor with God by? And that's really challenged me as I've been looking over this. You are trying to earn favor with God by. And though there will be some things on the face of it that seem really, really good. But if you're doing it to try and earn favor with God, then it will just fall away. So when I think back to that question I had at the beginning, ask who, not what, ask who can give you freedom? Not what can give you freedom. Who can save me? Not what can save me. Because the gospel we believe will become the gospel that we live. And the gospel that we live is the gospel that we will preach. How can we love our neighbors when we believe that love has to be earned through works? How can we show compassion to those in need when we believe that God's compassion is dependent upon us being able to perfectly keep to the rules? How can we share the message that there is a miraculous and wonderful freedom from sin if we live our lives depending on ourselves and striving under our own efforts to feel worthy of God's grace and mercy. We are to let our lives be a testimony to the salvation that comes through faith in Christ alone. And in order to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the people around us, we have to believe it and live lives that reflect it to a watching world. If we believe that we can or that we've got to work hard to achieve salvation, achieving it through our own efforts, make God see that we've earned it, then that is what we will expect of other people, whether we mean it to or not. Stephen Lee, the minister of a church in Minnesota, wrote in an article, if we do not believe the sufficiency of the gospel, we will never share it boldly and simply. Yet, if we truly believe that God's Word does the work of conversion through the power of His Holy Spirit, we will unabashedly share the simple and unadorned truth of the gospel. With fellow believers, we must remind each other of the sufficiency of God's Word to do His work 
for his purposes. Ask who, not what. Who are we showing individually as a church? Who are we directing people towards? Not what. Not what are we telling people they need to do to earn it. And another who, not what, I want to touch on quickly is who are we investing in, not what are we investing in. It's clear here that Paul is invested in the people in the church in Galatia. One commentator I read commented that in this part of the letter, this is where Paul's theological reasoning and Paul's emotional outpourings almost collide, that they come together. And he examines the motives of the people that are trying to influence the church, trying to pull them away from the true gospel. In the NIV translation that you've got, it says in verse 17, those people are zealous to win you over, but not for good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. Those people aren't investing in the people of Galatia. Those people are investing in their own prestige, furthering their own agenda, trying to meet their own needs. But Paul is saying that that's not how he feels. Paul reminds them of the circumstances under which he came to share the gospel with them. In verse 13, he was ill. He maybe didn't plan to even stop in Galatia. But he had an illness that meant that he had to. And where he was, he preached the gospel. And the churches there were established. Paul is so invested in the people in Galatia that he calls himself a Gentile in verse 12. And this might not seem so shocking to us now, but before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was like the Jew's Jew. He was like the Jewish enforcer against the early Christian church when it came to standing within the Jewish community, he was up there. But he's saying that he doesn't even regard any of that anymore. He calls himself a Gentile. Disregarding all of that. And then he goes on towards the end of the passage. And this is a bit where, as a man, I really, I don't know whether to admire Paul's boldness or not here, but labor pains, from a man's perspective, 
I'll give it a go. I'm the father of three children. I have not experienced labor pains. I have witnessed labor pains. Seen the wrath of labor pains. That's the right expression. But here, Paul talks about labor pains. He feels like he is going through childbirth. Labor pains are, there'll be some people in this room I don't need to tell this to, but labor pains are intense. Labor pains are, there's a helplessness involved. Labor pains are there to be productive. It shouldn't be a pain without end. It should be a pain that produces something at the end. And Paul is already saying here that he has been through these pains before. He feels like he's going through them again. When he preached to the Galatians the first time and they received the gospel, he went through them and now he's going through them again thinking about what they're going through. Thinking about the way that they're being pulled away from the gospel. And he wants to pull them back. He wants to point them back in the right direction. He is invested in them. And I want to, as we begin to wrap this up, I want us to be thinking about that this morning as well. Who are we investing in? Not what are we investing in, but who. This last weekend, my wife and I were able to get away for a weekend without the boys. Um, They were with their grandparents. Don't worry, they weren't left alone. They are eight, five, and two. We were able to go away, so we went to Sunnier Climbs. We uh, went to Aberfeldy for the weekend. It was not sunny. It was not sunny. But on one of the nights when we were away, we were sat at dinner, the two of us. And we'd obviously clearly ran out of things to talk about because I was eavesdropping in on uh, another conversation where a German family had asked the maitre d' um, a question. They'd said, we really want to see the Highlands where do you suggest we go? And the maitre d' said, have you been to Crieff? Exactly. For anybody that didn't hear that, there was an audible And I I couldn't believe it. Communicated an eye roll to Hannah. And then he thought for a second and he said, St. Andrews is really nice. Oh, my word. And then, oh, the fiesta resistance. (laughs) He said, but of course you know you're in the Highlands. And then he walked away. And I looked up and I said, I was like, oh, I need need to say something. And Hannah was like, I think you need to say something. So I, I I need to say something. And she was like, for your own good, I think you need to say something. And so I did. (laughs) 
sorry to eavesdrop. That was, I wasn't sorry to eavesdrop. I was glad I did. I was able to maybe direct them to some other places. But that intense feeling, somebody had been given the wrong information. Somebody had been told the wrong place to go. Oh, man, and I just couldn't stand, I couldn't stand by and let them, I couldn't look, let them go away thinking that grief was in the highlands. Oh, my word. But I want us to have that feeling. I want us to have that feeling when we think about this passage. I want us to have that feeling where we see people that are trying to do things under their own effort. Oh, no. Where people think that they have to be good enough before they even think about coming to church, or before they even think about having any sort of relationship with Jesus or God. Ah, no. I want us to have that feeling. We've got to say something. And that is what I want us to think about as we go away from this passage this morning. I want us to ask, who can save, not what can save? I want us to ask, who can are we investing in? Not what are we investing in? Who have we got that feeling for that we maybe feel, even now, maybe there's somebody we can think about that we need to get alongside and say, come on, let's take it to Jesus. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, I've tried going to Creef and convincing myself it's the Highlands. Maybe there's somebody that you need to speak to here. Or maybe you don't know Jesus at all. And as Thomas joked here at the beginning, you've stumbled upon us because you thought you were coming to a Highland dancing competition. If you've never met Jesus before, know that there is freedom in Christ. Know that there is nothing you can do to add to it, but also know that there is nothing that you could have done to make it inaccessible to you. Please do not leave here this morning without responding to that, if that is you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for this word. We thank you for um, the way that the experiences of um, this church in Galatia are still relevant for us today, Lord God. Your word is as relevant then as it is now because you are unchanging. Because the work that Jesus did on that cross is unchangeable. Father God, I pray that you will help us to respond to this question about who can help, who can save, and take us away from thinking about what we could do. Father God, I pray that you would just be, even now, prompting our hearts to think about who are we investing in? Who are we wanting to share this miraculous, incredible, wonderful message with, Lord God? Who are we wanting to remind that faith in Jesus Christ is enough, is freedom? Father God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for that work that he did on the cross for us. 
We thank you that he bore the weight of our sin and our shame, that we might come to you and be seen as perfect and holy and spotless. Thank you that we worship a risen Savior, that death has lost its sting. Death has no hold on us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. Why don't we all stand? Why don't we all stand?